Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, LifePoint Church. How's second service doing? That was good. That was good. I give it to you guys. Man, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Andrew Garcia, and I am one of the teaching pastors here. Our senior pastor, Danny Rivers, is on vacation. Yeah, we all need one, but he took one. So, um, but we're so excited to have you here. We, we're, we're in a great series right now. And uh, here's the thing, it's, it's going to be kind of so practical today that it's spiritual and you're going to be like, you might not connect the dots till the very end. So it's like one of those times when you've got to probably take some notes. If you like to take notes, bust out your pen, your pencil, you know, your notes section on your phone. Um, it'll help you make sense of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be diving into this idea of chains and doubt, how doubt ties into hope and how hope ties into faith. So here we go. And here, here's, here's, here's the thing. Have you guys ever given thought to the point of chains? Like, these are my chains because I have a real man's truck. So have you ever given thought to the point of chains? And today we're not talking about like Rihanna's whips and chains. I know some of you went there, but that's not what we're talking about today. Um, chains are kind of an interesting, interesting thing to me because they're so flexible and at the same time, so powerful. And depending on how you use chains, changes the outcome. Right? You, you can use them to transfer power. You can use them to restrain. Uh, you can use them to secure something, to, to create traction and pull. You know, they, they can even be used as a weapon. Uh, interesting story, but you can look at that later. In history, they used to put, you know, cannonballs on these and it would cause massive destruction. Um, symbolically, the interesting thing as well is chains have always been a representation of oppression. A, a, a restriction of, of liberty. And so figuratively today, and literally today, when we're talking about chains, we're recognizing that they can be used for our benefit or for our destruction. And Pastor Danny started this, this five-week series called Change Breaker, Chain Breaker last week because we recognize that so many of us seem to experience oppression in our lives. And, and that there are these chains that we've picked up. There are some chains that have been placed on us that we need some freedom from. Right? Some of us are being held back by, by, by chains of shame. Others of us by chains of debt. Chains of bitterness, unforgiveness, guilt. What we talked about last week, chains uh, of our past. And what we're going to really dive into this week, the, the chains of doubt. Now, what's interesting about our lives, right, is our, our lives are connections of moments. Experiences that, that we enjoy or that we've endured, right? Uh, uh, experiences that have shaped us, that have that have. Shaken us, and, and for some of us that have actually shackled us. These, these experiences where a moment creates this doubt in our lives that has subsequently held us back, held us down, or has become a burden that we carry on our shoulders into life. 
And so when we're talking about doubt today, let's just, let's just put a, let's define that a little bit. What, what is doubt? Right? Doubt is questioning the certainty of what is taken to be true and stating there must be another truth. Doubt is questioning the certainty of truth and stating there has to be another truth. There has to be another answer. A hope against what is believed. And the thing about doubt is it can be emotional, it, it can be logical, but either way an inconsistency has been created that we now have to confront. So how is doubt produced then? Well, doubt is produced through the trials that we experience, right? When you experience something that challenges the truth you believed to be true, right? A, a relationship sours, a diagnosis is given, injustice escapes punishment, justice suffers evil. This moment, this circumstance, this person breaks in you something that once stood so tall and so strong, right? Our perspective that assumed a secure expectation now finds itself against a shaky outcome. Doubt has been born. But what I find so curious about doubt is that I believe that doubt always assumes hope. You see, whether it's a relationship whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's an experience, we think there must be another way, right? There has to be another answer. There's another fish in the sea. Doubt has assumed hope. And, and we explore hope in different ways, right? For some of us, it's, it's through experience. For some of us, it's through science. For some of us, it's through religion. And this is why this is such an important topic for us today, for the religious and the non-religious, for the agnostic and the atheist, because we are all looking for hope to the doubt in our lives. And whether you would admit it or not, we've all undertaken some kind of a faith journey backed by science, backed by experience, backed by religion. Whatever you name, we are all looking to find confidence against the doubt that we find in our midst. Okay, that's cool, bro. But how does hope tie into faith? If doubt assumes hope, how does hope seek out faith? How does hope tie into faith? And this is huge, because faith is the substance of hope. And what we're gonna do right now is we're, I want you to look at this passage with me written by the Apostle Paul in Hebrews. And what's a crazy thing about Paul is Paul was once a huge skeptic of the Christian faith and in Jesus. And as a matter of fact, he was considered to be a zealot, somebody who would actively pursue and persecute followers of Jesus, but he has this experience, this moment where he's forced to take on a new perspective and experiences Jesus in his life. And he writes this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and this is what I want us to look at. Now faith is confidence and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You see, often, we seek out a resource to give us confidence in our faith of hope in the face of doubt. 
And this is why you can't have a conversation of doubt without assuming a position of faith. Because there's something, somewhere, or someone that you believe that has a resource you need. Hope in the face of doubt. So what's faith? Well, let's break this down using the same verse. There's a gentleman by the name of John W. Rittenbaugh, and he, had a, he has a commentary on this, and I just want to read some of this to you. Some of it's going to be on the screen. Some of it won't. And it says, In the phrase, faith is the substance of things hoped for, Paul is not really defining what faith is, but rather he is showing us what faith does in an operative sense. That's important. Faith undergirds what we hope for. And in some translations, the word substance is used in the place of confidence, meaning that which stands under. So faith is the foundation for what we hope. And what we have faith in is exposed in our moments of doubt. So by saying that it is the assurance of things hoped for, what Paul is trying to communicate to us, well, how he's defining faith, is that our understanding becomes more and more complex and operative as we begin to put faith to work. That's when it becomes confidence. And at some point, it'll be transformed into trust. So here's an example. You get broken up with. Oh, you cry yourself to sleep at night. I'll never find love. You've experienced this or your friends, or your kids. And then they start singing in the middle of the night, I want to know what love is. In a very practical sense. But in the doubt, there's hope. Because we believe we can find someone else. And experience creates doubt. Your doubt assumes a hope. And then you begin to put yourself out there and act on it. Still have doubt, but acting on hope, revealing a faith that you believe that at some point your actions will lead you to someone else. You start a text message conversation. She be, he, she becomes your new boo thing. Faith becomes substance and affirms hope through experience. And here is what I believe today. That there are those of us in this room who are experiencing doubt within our lives. Emotionally, physically, it weighs on you. And you're up against something that's created this cloud of darkness that overshadows the beauty of your world. And you walk each day with, with heavy feet and a heavy heart that's eating you up. And you've been searching for hope and coming back empty-handed feeling pinned down and restrained by chains of doubt that you can't seem to find freedom from. And my question to you today would be, have you considered the hope found in Jesus? Because here's what I believe, that whatever experience, whatever encounter, whatever person that has exploited you, that has created doubt within you, can be healed can be restored and can be redeemed and that we can walk out of here recognizing that the chains that we thought were supposed to hold us down and keep us back are the same chains that God is trying to use to pull new life out of us. 
And it's so interesting to me because we're willing to put faith in so many other areas of life, in areas of science, of, of medicine, in the wisdom and intellect of man. Yet so many of us still walk away with this hole, this, this gap of doubt that keeps widening and creeping into our souls. And it's in these moments of brokenness and suffering that faith can be formed. I want to read a passage to you in in James. And this is one of those passages where I love reading it because it reminds me of how relatable and raw the Bible is, how it really comes down to our level where we're at in our way and entering into our reality. And so just pay attention to the words as we walk through this. This is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever, it's not if, it's not maybe, whenever, it's assuming that at some point in your life you are going to experience something that is going to hold you back. You're going to experience a suffering and a brokenness that is going to pin you down, that is going to rattle your faith, that is going to create doubt within you. But he continues. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That our struggles, our doubts, our trials reveal where we've placed our faith, that it's become the the substance of our hope. And what we're saying is that faith finds substance as we put it to work. And in our context today, what I'm trying to help you uncover is that faith finds substance when we put God to work. We have to operate it. We have to trust in him. In the words that we read, in the promises that he provides us in the Bible. He continues, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. How do we lean into that? How do we believe and not doubt at the same time? You see, faith is not mere belief. Faith and doubt can coexist. But our decision of faith has to take substance. And this only begins to happen when we submit our intellect and our will to God, who has or who will begin to reveal himself to us through Scripture in our lives, which involves both our mind and our lives. And this is key. Because of this, faith is not the absence of struggle. Faith is not the absence of struggle. A life of faith by its very nature is a battle to place ourselves underneath Christ's lordship. There is a struggle that takes place. There is doubt there that exists. And doubt can never be offset simply by reasoning, persuasions, or or sufficient evidence. Right? It's interesting because faith can support 
Evidence can support faith, but it does not cause it. Faith is a gift of God and a willingness to accept his truth as our hope. I want to show you this passage in Mark 9 that's going to help tease this out even more for us. Mark chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 24. It says, A man out of the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my mute son, made speechless by a demon to you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and goes stiff as a board. I told your disciples, hoping they could deliver him, but they couldn't. How many times have you had doubt and you've turned to something with a hope and it didn't deliver? This passage is entering and stepping into our world. Jesus says, what a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought the boy to him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. And this is so intriguing to me because Jesus, he asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Now think about this. That's such an awkward question for this moment. This kid is, who knows, slithering like a snake on the ground and Jesus instead of immediately meeting the need, is actually engaging the father's doubt. How long has this been going on? In other words, he's trying to say, I'm trying to awaken your conscience, make, bring awareness to you that I understand the struggle of this journey. I understand how long this has been happening. And Jesus in this moment, by engaging with his doubt, is not avoiding it. He's poking, he's poking at it. He's, he's prodding at it before he becomes a solution to it. The man answers, ever since he was a little boy, many times it pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. But if you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. If is his expression of hope founded in the reality of his doubt. In other words, I doubt. This is my last resort. Jesus, you're my final straw. If you can. And Jesus replies, if? There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. And no sooner were the words out of his mouth then the father cried, then I believe, help me with my doubts. And Jesus taking his, the son by the hand, stands him up and the demon is gone. But in the middle of this transaction, in the middle of this moment, this experience, the father had both a hand on doubt and a hand on faith and belief. You see, at some point in all of our lives, we come to this, this intersection where God is our only option. Mother Teresa said it this way. Sometimes God 
Sometimes you know that God is all you need when God is all you have. That doubt within us, that hope within us, becomes a faith that Jesus can step into the key to help us discover freedom from the chains that we find ourselves in. And what's so interesting about this story is that this story reminds us that the only certainty in doubt is the sovereignty of God. That the only certainty in doubt is the sovereignty of God. See, remember what James says, whenever you face trials of various kinds, whenever it happens, in other words, expect it, James is trying to set us up with the expectation that there's a posture and a perspective that we need to endure the storms of life and come out intact, full of joy and full of faith. You see, perspective is how we see the world in relation to our reality and posture is our approach to it. And in this story, we find that the father has to take on three perspectives and three postures. The first one is the father in this story had to take on the perspective of God's sovereignty and a posture of surrender. You see, the father in the story, he'd come to the end of his line. For years, this had been happening. He'd exhausted his options, but hope, but doubt never stops hoping and never stops seeking a solution. And when Jesus enters onto the scene, the father takes a posture of surrender, handing his doubt to Jesus. And some of us in here have been walking around with chains that we can't get past. And we've done all that we humanly know that's possible. And it's time for us to surrender our chains to the chain breaker. Like the Father, you don't have to fully believe or understand. But the very act of surrender is a step of faith. And God can step in and make a change and bring life. Secondly, we have to take on a perspective of God's authority in a posture of reading his word. You see, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, in this story, the father encounters Jesus. And when we read scripture, what we realize is Jesus is the word made flesh. The very authority of God embodied in a man. And in that moment, the father chooses to be grounded and rooted in Jesus. And he leaned into that authority and we have to begin to lean into the authority of the name of Jesus. And we do that by reading God's word and putting it to the test against our lives. Inviting Jesus in to call out of us areas that keep pushing back against his word. You see, the Bible wants to bring life out of us, but in order to do that, there are certain things that have to be put to death within us. Finally, 
We have to take on the perspective of God's sustainability in a posture of prayer. A perspective of God's sustainability in a posture of prayer. You know what I believe so many of us fall prey to because it's something that I fall prey to all the time is that we expect proof to accompany every step of faith that we take. We want immediate results. We want immediate relief. We want immediate understanding. God doesn't drive out doubt just because you took one step of faith. God is looking to walk with us daily to prove that he will come through daily. And that happens when we begin to take the word of God, apply it to our lives, and believe in, in prayer that he will sustain us in the moments of doubt, in the trials and the tribulations that come into our lives and keep us from falling apart. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 tells us this, that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Endurance of what? Of life, of what comes our way. Come on, man, you, if you've lived more than five years, you recognize that life is a brutal thing. Not always, but there are seasons of life where it beats us down and we feel held down and captive to, imprisoned by experiences and moments in people, things that we did, things that other people did to us. Jesus is the hope and the doubt that you're looking for. A.Z. Tozer, A.W. Tozer has a quote that I want to read, and this is an excerpt from, from The Path to Power. And this is, this is so, so powerful. He says, the fallow field is smug, contented, protected from the shock of the plow and the agitation of the harrow. But it is paying a terrible price for its tranquility. Never does it see the miracle of growth. Never does it feel the motions of mounting life or the wonders of the bursting seed nor the beauty of of the ripening grain. Fruit it can never know because it is afraid of the plow and the harrow. And direct opposite to this, the cultivated field has yielded itself to the adventure of living. The protecting fence has opened to admit the plow and the plow has come as plows always come. Practical, cruel, businesslike, and in a hurry. Peace has been shattered by the shouting farmer and the rattle of the machinery. The field has felt the travail of change. It has been upset, turned over, bruised, and broken. But its rewards come hard upon its labors. The sheet shoots up into the daylight, its miracle of life, curious, exploring the new world above it. All over the field, the hand of God is at work in the old age of an ever-renewed service of creation. New things are born to grow, mature, and to consummate the grain prophecy latent in the seed when it entered the ground. Nature's wonders follow the plow. You see, our doubt 
is fertile ground for God to begin to reveal himself to you in ways that will transform your life. But you have to engage with it. You can't be put off by doubt. Embrace the struggle, lean into hope, and see faith begin to find footing in your life. Believe in God's sovereignty and take a posture of surrender. Believe in God's authority and take a posture of reading his word. Believe in God's sustainability and take a posture of prayer. And begin to see how he takes your doubt and you begin to step into a new faith in him. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.